Welcome to Be More Super the Podcast. In an action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. They're the answer to our real alone in the universe. Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super the Podcast, uh, we've got a great guest. Uh, if you've seen Made on Netflix, I think everyone's seen Made in the world uh, with 1.9 billion minutes watched. And it's currently second uh, just behind Squid Games, which I haven't watched yet, um, which I think, again, I'm probably the only only person that haven't watched it. Uh, the guest <laughs> is fantastic. It's Xavier de Guzman. Xavier, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. I hope there's not too much of a lag. I think there's a little bit of a lag on um, the video here. Is it ever, yeah, is no, everything good? Clear? Everything is perfect, my end. Um, good old modern technology, eh? Who would have thought, thought, you know, back in the day that we could connect from the UK over to Vancouver, uh, which I think is yeah, awesome. I'll, I'll send you a Morse code, I think. That's mm, mm. I mean, I can remember dial-up internet. I can remember dial-up internet where you had to put it into a phone line and hear that squeaky oh, yeah. noise and it was so yeah. slow and now it's it's super fast super fast so before we get on with I the mean, in, in, interview like hmm? it's funny it's... where it's like um i think our generation of dial-up internet the dial-up aspect of our upbringing gave us more patience than the newer generation just because like everything's more instantaneous now so i always yeah, laugh definitely. at that Definitely. I mean, I've got a a twenty year old stepson, and we've been having trouble with our in, in, internet in 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 the house. And literally, it's like the end of the world if he can't get <laughs> online gaming. And I'm just thinking back when I was twenty, I was never in the house. I was working yeah. or partying. Um, so, um, but yeah, definitely, teenagers have got no patience. If it goes down <laughs> or it stops, the world stops. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so we were planned to uh, connect last week, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you've got a bit of a store story of what actually happened. I mean, are you okay? I mean, yeah. is everything okay? Everything's okay. Um, emotionally, maybe not so much, <laughs> but um, I after made, um, I took some time to to convert a camper. So I bought myself a moving truck and I completely gutted the the back and essentially built myself a tiny home and decided to go across the country. Um, so we're, we're in like the province right next to the end. So it's called New Brunswick. We wanted to get to Nova Scotia, me and my partner. But then we're in New Brunswick and the truck decided to say i'm gonna have a problem so we're actually caught in new brunswick um and we're stuck here for at least 10 days while the truck is getting serviced in the middle of what they like to call like winter tire season so a lot of the automotive <laughs> shop here busy so we had to get towed three times to two different shops to wow. try to just get ourselves serviced and back on the road so right now the truck is in shop 
and oh, no. <laughs> we're just hanging out in a hotel but no everything you know, yeah do you know what I, I, I was gonna ask you about your tiny home because you put a post on instagram of a video of you and i presume is that the camper van that you're in yes that's it yes oh do you know what i really do hope that you know it comes alive again and you can continue your adventures because yeah. you know, after all that hard work um <sighs> you know i suppose that's the trouble with camper vans you know you know it's all good and well having it all really nice in in inside and 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 it's a home from a home but at the end of the day it's still a vehicle isn't it it's still got an en- <laughs> engine that that you rely on getting from a to b this is why yeah. you know when when people in the uk they go caravanning you don't see many yeah as you would say, RVs or uh, camper vans over in the UK, they normally tow the caravans by car and then unhook yeah. and then they can drive yeah. around. So I suppose, you know, oh, bless you though. Well, fing- fingers crossed and, and I really do hope that it's it comes back to, back to, back to life because uh, oh, bless you. Um, so yes, we forgive you. Uh, that is obviously a traumatic experience, and I think that I'd be still rocking in a chair right now, um, just oh, waiting for that phone phone yeah. call. But um, but hopefully you'll get it soon. So talking about the pandemic, um, because I ask all my guests as like a bit of a check in. I mean, the last eighteen months to two years has been crazy for everyone, especially for the entertainment industry and for working actors. I mean. How have you kept positive over the last 18 months? What have you been doing to stay positive and keep moving forwards? And have you learned any new skills over the time of the pandemic and the time of lockdown? Great question. Very insightful. Um, one big thing that I guess I had to learn and, and speaking with other people who seemed to hit a wall during this quarantine was to really adopt the phrase it's okay to not be okay Mm. so as much as everybody wants to try to stay positive it's about also embracing the days that don't seem so positive and wondering and asking yourself why do i feel this way and taking that time so that aspect of self-realization definitely was a a growing phase for myself and a whole bunch of other people that i know that kind of hit a wall um, there, there was a moment that I think everybody went through cause like pandemic hit the first few months, everybody's kind of like, Oh, this is nice. I get to be at home all the time. And then all of a sudden the lockdown gets extended and then it's like, okay, I think I could still do this same routine every day. And then it gets extended again. And now people are starting to drive themselves crazy because essentially it's not okay anymore. Mm. Yeah. So that was definitely a big thing. Um, I also loved my space that I that I kind of cultivated. I had myself a little mini garden on my balcony. Um, I took up sourdough baking, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. I had some sourdough starter that a friend gave me from the beginning of. Um, it actually happened just before quarantine, so like the December before quarantine, a friend of mine gave me what they call sourdough starter. Mm -hmm. And I kept it alive throughout the uh, entire time that I was at home um, and baked a nice loaf of sourdough bread every week. And 
it was a very interesting phase because I love cooking, but I've never really explored baking. So mm. sometimes the bread would come out amazing. And then other times I get this like dense loaf that was just there. And now it's like, okay, let's see how much of this I can at least eat. So then it doesn't get wasted. <laughs> um, so I did that. Um, I also was lucky enough to kind of give myself a little mini gym space as well. So I was mm. able to still keep somewhat active. Um, and then I just watched a lot of Netflix, which I like to, I'd like to say is research because I'm an actor. <laughs> so I'm allowed yeah, exactly. To do all that. It is good research. So over the lockdown, you became a baker. Um, it sounds like a wonderful time. Um, over the lockdown, I became a teacher because all my girls, I've got two li little girls, they were off school. So we had to homeschool no. them. We had to learn how to uh, use certain things on the computer for school. Um, but for me, I'm quite worried about the aftershock of it. It's a bit like an earth earthquake. I think that we've had this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about like the mentally you know how it's affected pe pe people i don't truly think that we're going to see the extent of that until after the actual um you know the pandemic is is over i mean do you feel that 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 there's going to be a big fallout you know in the way of mental health from this as a backlash um i think and i honestly believe that mental health is going to be at an all-time high um, over the last, I'd say five years in particular, therapy has become more mainstream. Um, just because before then, even now you'll watch some shows where a character will say, oh, well, I'm in therapy. And then another character will scoff at the idea mm. and you don't see that as much now. And it's, it's becoming more accepted mm -hmm. and not being able to just go out to a pub and just drink your weekend away because you're not sure what's going on in the week. And now you're kind of forced to just talk amongst your peers. Mm -hmm. I think that's also developing more of a, a willingness to open up about our feelings. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping that this is the direction it's going to go in where people are just more open and willing to be emotional than just mm. to repress everything. I think everybody's hit that wall to some mm. degree where the quarantine, they thought they could do it by themselves. And then all of a sudden they realized, no, I, I need to reach out to somebody. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, like they have some kind of online community and social media has also done a great job of mm. giving people a platform to explore their art. Um, I found that really amusing where a lot of friends of mine who aren't artists or don't see themselves as artists and I'll, I'll joke with them and tease with them where it's like, Hey, maybe you should try acting or something. And they'll laugh at the idea. But then now I see them do these TikTok videos of them impersonating somebody or doing a voiceover or, and the editing that they're doing, like, that's mm -hmm. insane to me. And they're doing it. So it's it's they're getting this this creative outlet too that 
they would have never explored before COVID because they're just so busy with their nine to five. Mm. And I've got to say, when you're saying about obviously getting therapy and how it's becoming more acceptable here in the UK, it's still quite a taboo thing because pe mm. people frown upon it. And the way I look at it is that if you want a healthy body, you go to the gym. So if you want yeah. to have a healthy mind, you go to therapy, you know, you speak. One million. Um, yeah. So it's it's the way I look at it. And and yeah, I mean, during the pan, 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 pandemic, I felt a lot of pressure being a dad and a hus, hus, husband and going to work throughout the whole pandemic. Um, you know, I felt a lot of responsibility to, to keep my family safe. And at, at some point yeah. I felt like it was going to be impossible because the virus was everywhere. Um, yeah. But I mean, I had COVID a week and a half ago. Um, so I've just got over COVID and it was horrible, but I'm glad I got my vaccines because it would have yeah. been hell of a lot worse. It really does, did. Mm -hmm. did. So let's talk about your career because before you were gracing our screens, you were kicking asses and taking names as a Mai Tai boxer. How does someone go from being a Mai Tai, uh, you know, martial artist to an actor it just it's just a bizarre you know flip i mean did you get a lucky break or was it something that you've always wanted to do a little correction there it's muay thai because muay thai is a drink <laughs> there we go this is probably why i'm getting funny phone calls when i'm asking do you do muay thai classes <laughs> and they're like mm. so muay thai muay thai i do yeah. apologize so muay thai uh, martial artist, or would you would you, would you say a martial artist, or would you say a, a Muay Thai boxer? I mean, what's the actual term for it? Yeah, either, either or. Um, I I prefer martial artist because there's such a there's there is a graceful artistic side to this um, sport, and it's unfortunately not widely practiced in North America. Um, and that was like the big transition point when I went to Thailand and fought and trained in Thailand. And I, it opened me up to a new world of this sport that I've been doing for, you know, five, six years at the time. Mm. And then when I came back to North America, it just it it didn't it didn't fuel me the way it did when I was in Thailand. Mm. And so at that point, I had to decide, OK, I need. Another, if I don't want to fight anymore, I need to think of another way to essentially make money. And then through that, a friend of mine happened to reach out and say that a production was looking for uh, boxers. And so because I do have a boxing background as well, um, that was my introduction to um, the film world. It was a show called Rookie Blue. And just being on set seeing essentially what they like to coin as movie magic happening right in front of you and then later on down the line seeing the episode and how they actually put it all together was amazing to me and especially at the time when i was looking for work for money the paycheck on that job like shocked me as well so then that also <laughs> gave me a little bit of a reason to okay maybe i can take my talents and put it into here and i'm not getting hit anymore or like i'm faking it so that's also a plus i don't have to worry so much about getting injured the way i would just being in the ring fighting 
So it was a smooth transition going from martial arts into stunts mm. and then the task of switching over from stunts into being a principal actor was the bigger challenge there was realizing that it took a lot more work to be the person getting to talk on camera than mm. just to get hit on screen <laughs> i mean i mean you were really good at, at, at muay thai you were is it lightweight champion of canada Thank so you. did you yeah. is there like a career to have in that sport i mean did did you not want to yeah to pursue that um now it, it, it comes down to i guess the risk that i'm willing to take in terms of what life has to offer because if I did want to take that career seriously, I'd have to leave home. I'd have to either fly to Thailand or maybe go to the States and, mm -hmm. you know, fight out of a camp in Vegas or something. And to be quite frank, I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I'd, scared, I'd, I'd scared, scared of the punching or just scared of... No being on my own um mm. going to a new city and and realizing that okay this is this is your life now um mm. as much as i loved traveling at the time the best part about traveling i found was getting to go home after the trip but then if yeah. i decided to make this a career then i have to pretty much uproot my life and move to a country that i wasn't you know i wasn't too not to say i wasn't familiar with because i was in thailand for quite a while training but it's like it's still it, it was still foreign where mm. even being away from home during christmas because i remember one camp i went out and it was over the christmas season and i was in thailand for christmas and it just felt weird because i wasn't near family and so I had to make that decision. I was like, okay, I don't want to take this professionally any further because <laughs> I was scared to leave the comforts of, you know, the place that I grew up in, which is funny because I made the decision in acting to leave home to pursue this and it <laughs> seemed to be working out so far. But at least, at least you can say, you know what, I've achieved something in more more time because because you got that belt of lightweight champion. So it's not as if you've tried to do something and then didn't succeed. I mean, with with yeah. with acting, at what point did you realize that actually I'm really good at this and I'm I'm making a success of myself? I <laughs> I wouldn't go as far to say, oh, yeah, I'm good at this. Not yet. Um, just because, like, there's still a few roles that I've auditioned for and didn't get. So then I have that voice, that little chip on my shoulder saying, okay, maybe you're not that good yet. <laughs> but oh. it wasn't until um, there was one acting class that I was in and we were asked to perform a monologue. And... It wasn't until after the monologue when the rest of the class was kind of stunned. And even to get to that point, my teacher at the time kind of had to talk me through the steps of getting there during the monologue, like the choices I made 
um, at first were nowhere near where my teacher got me at the time. And so by the end of the scene, I'm there bawling my eyes out for an imaginary child who isn't in front of me, but (laughs) I was still able to move the entire class. And then that was the moment I was like, okay, maybe I might be able to do this. Mm -hmm. I think like, I'm not, I think I'm not terrible. If I'm able to have this type of reaction I think there might be something here. And then that was the moment I was like, okay, let's let's really give this a shot. Mm. And how do you measure success? I mean, how I mean, lots of pe- people mm. measure success in different ways. How do you measure yeah. success? Personally, peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. Um that's that that's my measure of success. Peace of mind and being able to give back to the community. Um mm. I started a charity i'm trying to carve out some more time to focus on it a lot more to which the reason why i'm i'm i feel like i i'm not focusing on it as much as i can is because i don't think i'm successful yet um not to say that i'm not grateful for every opportunity that come across my table and, and i've been able to take advantage of um, and my friends will all say, oh, you're, you are successful and I'll, I'll graciously take the compliment. But in my eyes, I don't think I'll see myself as a success until my charity is, is pretty much running itself. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we'll talk about that charity, char- char- charity. It is on my list to talk about because I've read up on it and it's, it's great. I mean, I mean, obviously, obviously success or, or being well known, I mean, uh, you, 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 sir, are very recognisable to me. You know, I've seen you in no. quite a few shows. So, so you know, when I got that e- email from your PR com- company, I was like, yes, definitely, I want him on the show. Um, so that's really, really good. I mean, acting is probably one of the hardest professions that people don't realise how hard it is. There's a lot of rejection. There's, there's a lot of auditions. I mean, how do you handle? The ups and downs of being rejected, uh, because a lot, a lot, a lot of people will just leave the audition with the sides and just forget about it. I mean, how do you deal with the ups and downs? Um, living life, remembering that there's more to life than just auditioning and acting, um, and that's really helped me um, forget about the auditions that I go to. Um, there was a, a friend of mine who does this thing where it's like after his audition, he'll like before he goes to his audition, he'll he'll get tickets to go see a movie. So mm-hmm. after his audition, he has something else to look forward to, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of actors after their audition, they'll go home and then they'll just brood over the choices that they made and other choices that they could have done so but for me it's like i just try my best to remember there's other things going on um and to enjoy just going for a walk watching the sunset going and cooking enjoying food but then at the same time knowing and understanding the work that it takes to go in to an audition and even going to set um to quote the late great kobe bryant um he says the only people that worry are the people 
who didn't do the work. Mm. And that was a big thing too earlier on when I was auditioning. And I think about after the audition, I think about, oh man, I could have done this choice. I could have done this choice. And the reality is if I thought of those things before the audition, then I wouldn't be worried afterwards. Mm. Mm. Though then making sure that I'm putting in all the work and all the effort that I possibly can. So after the audition, I'm not left thinking, oh man, I could have done better. Mm. I mean, so do you enjoy, do you, do you enjoy auditions? Cause I know that some people hate them. Some people love, love them. And there's a lot of people out there that say auditioning is an art form in itself. It really is. I mean, how, how do you find auditioning? Do you enjoy it? Me personally, I love auditioning. Um, and I equate all the hours that I've spent training to be for the audition room. Mm. Um, cause the reality of it is, is when you do an audition, you are responsible as the actor to make the choices, mm. to create this compelling character that a director or a writer is going to see and be like, yeah, that's the person that we want. Um, because quite frankly, if you get the job and you're on set, you can be lazy and just go to the director or writer and just be like, hey, what did you want me to do? Mm. Right? So it's like you don't have to work as hard um, once you get the job. Yeah. So <laughs> all the training and everything, getting into the audition and realizing that it's my responsibility to make these choices, to ask the questions. Mm. That's where I think the fun is because you're creating a character, whether or not you get the job, you're creating a character that nobody has ever seen before. Mm. And so I find that like the most beautiful thing about auditioning is you're creating something that is new and nobody else has seen this or and even if somebody else comes into the room and, and they try to make the same choices that you do it's still going to be a different performance so yeah, course, I, I really yeah. i love auditioning <laughs> <laughs> i mean with with obviously casting and auditions you know diversity and inclusion is definitely been a focus in the in industry over the last couple of years i mean have you seen any uh, you know, change in the in the cast cast casting scene for people from an ethnic background. Uh yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot more casting that they they kind of open it up and and make it an open call as opposed to making it specific for um, Caucasian actors. But at the same time, it's like. There's also a downside to it where I feel like some stories kind of get watered down because they're focusing on diversity as mm. an importance where as opposed to just worrying about the story and just trying to get, you know, the best product. Now they're trying to pander to an audience of, oh, we need to make sure it's diverse so we can get an audience in. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it kind of reduces the story to a degree where I don't think casting yet is doing their due diligence in terms of casting a big enough 
net for diversity mm. where they have their their casting pool that they're satisfied with and they'll pick from that whereas that pool might not be big enough for the role that you're looking for mm. Mm. so I think I mean, there's a long I'm, way to go in terms of that. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think th- th- there are a few like sort of roles out there that are starting to change and to make waves. Um, for example, Supergirl. Um, and I'm talking about the movie uh, from The Flash. Um, you know, the actress, I think she's Latino. And, yeah. and um, you know, a lot of fans out there are saying, wait a second, she should be blonde-haired and all that lot. And for me... It doesn't matter because she we're still going to get an interpretation of Supergirl. It doesn't matter race or anything. Yeah. It's still that character, and I'm I'm just loving it. I really am, and it needs to be more like that. It needs to have more higher pro profile. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. Batwoman as well, I, and I just think it's fantastic. But do you feel that uh, you know it's got to start with the writers to actually um, you know come up with good stories that are diverse or do you think it is down to the casting oh oh it's it's everybody that needs to Mm. really step up to the plate from the director to the writers to even hair and makeup um Mm. your hair and makeup team sometimes don't know how to work with certain textures of hair um they don't know Mm. even now down to the lighting. Sometimes they don't know how to light a certain color of skin. So it's like wow. there's so everybody really needs to to up their game in terms of the knowledge of their area in filmmaking mm. when it comes to diversity. Mm. Um, talking about cast casting as well. I had Chad Rook on on the show a bit. Of, a bit of time ago and he he's a canadian actor he's been is is in i think the resident evil film that's coming out very soon and he was saying that you know it's quite difficult for canadian actors um to get into american shows because there is like a, a preference over american actors i mean do you find that have, have you witnessed that i think that is crazy i mean oh, why yeah um my opinion on that stems to kind of more our 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 government um it's very divided in terms of how well they want to fund the arts as Mm -hmm. well as they keep it very separate so like for example i was born and raised and started acting in toronto and i wouldn't audition for stuff that would be shooting in Vancouver. And then when I finally did move to Vancouver, all of a sudden my auditions for the Toronto project started to dwindle. And I learned it's because there's tax breaks that each city, each province gets with their production. So they hire locally there. Now, if I was in the States, there's absolutely no discrepancy if I were to live in Los Angeles, but I were to book in Atlanta or to book in New York or to book in mm. Seattle. And so that division really, really separates or like waters down the talent that we have and it reduces our opportunities. And unfortunately, America sees that or it's been a pattern in the past 
where they can't find the best talent for that city. So then they just end up bringing American actors mm. and it's no fault of their own, except times have changed and now you have better actors. So now we as Canadian actors kind of have to re imprint ourselves and, and prove that there are, there's talent up here. Mm. Um, and the thing that I, I I still cringe at is when a production comes to Canada, they would have already cast their number one and number two as Americans already bringing the production over. Whereas why not give us the shot, give us the chance? And that's one thing that I was really grateful for. Um, it's it's weird to say where it's like I was happy for COVID because a lot of productions now gave opportunities for Canadians to have that number one bill on their project. So a lot of my friends got their first leads this year and last year, and and I couldn't be more happier for them. Do you know what? I think it's all crazy because, you know, you're talking about these American companies, but they shoot in Vancouver. I mean, the amount of stuff that gets shot in Vancouver is crazy. So to not use that, that, that talent pool that's local... I just think it's shocking. I really, really do. I mean, how competitive are you and how competitive is the, is the scene in Vancouver? I mean, because everyone I, I, I tend to interview, they live in Vancouver. So it mm. must be just full of actors. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a very heavy um, community in Vancouver. But I think I have an advantage over that because coming from Toronto we had a much larger acting community so it was it was a lot more vicious in terms of the amount of competition that you had so you had to make sure you're on your p's and q's when Mm -hmm. you go into an audition room and not to you know downplay the talent that's in Vancouver but I remember walking into my first couple of auditions and you just had other actors just hanging out there and laughing. And there was this one actor I even remember who I'm there in my zone looking at my sides and he looked over on my sides and he saw that I had notes and annotations on it. And he kind of laughed and looked over at his friend and was like, Hey, Oh, we have one of these guys this time. And I was like, okay cool um i'm gonna go make my choices what are you gonna do when you walk in like mm-hmm. <laughs> what preparation did you have in it and i attribute that to there just being less actors and there's more opportunities in vancouver so it's like mm-hmm. if they don't get that job they're ready to just say oh i'll get the next one whereas in toronto you try to make that audition count because there aren't that many opportunities compared to your competition Mm, mm. and 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 it's always good to be prepared i mean obviously if you i suppose ask ask that guy how many auditions he's been to in the last god knows how long i'm sure it's going to be a hell of a lot more than you but talking about the first time that i saw you on screen uh christmas is just around the corner and literally we're being prepared to put the christmas tree up because we normally put it up the middle of november uh, to get our money's worth out of all the decorations, because yeah, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm, yeah, and to get in the spirit as well. And every year, Netflix.
Netflix have some awesome Christmas movies and a, a movie that's definitely going to be watched again this year is Operation Christmas Drop, which is Lovely. awesome. And um, I had Janet Kidder on, on the show a while ago and she's in that film as well. Uh, mm-hmm. If you could tell us a bit about that film and who you play and what that film meant to you because it just looks an, an awesome film to, to actually make. Yeah, um... Well, to start with, like being a part of that project was really fun because it was an island Christmas, um, and we shot on location in Guam. So that was that was exciting in itself, is getting to be in a tropical location. Um, and the story was also very, very fun. Where it's it's about spreading the Christmas joy in, in a different way where it's it's more so about the community in that area getting together and, and just figuring out ways so everybody can have some kind of fortune during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Operation Christmas Drop, I play a character named John Michael where he works with the Air Force Base, but... Um, he took some time off to go back to the village and take care of some family things to where it's the village that kind of gives insight to why this Operation Christmas Drop is essential for that mm-hmm. area. Um, and oh, it was such a fun time um, working with Alexander and Kat and creating this environment that that's real. Um, mm-hmm. So for the viewers that see this and it's like, it's, it's, it's a real thing where there are these isolated islands within the South Pacific that need this attention. And over the holidays, like they have nothing. So mm-hmm. not to, you know, what's the word, not to make it political or anything, but good on the air force for taking this initiative and it's money out of their pockets mm. to help out when, when and where they can over the holiday season. Mm, mm, def- definitely. And, and you know what? It breaks my heart when you see um, on Facebook where parents have got piles of presents, absolute piles of pres- pre- presents for their kids. And my dad always had a rule that if on Boxing Day, which is the day after, which I don't think you cel- celebrate o- over in Canada, Canada but... Uh, yeah, the next no, day, oh, Boxing day as well. oh, brilliant! Finally, someone someone that has Boxing Day as well. Um, if okay. I can't name the presents that I've been given, they get taken away and given 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 away. So literally, I always was appreci- appreciative of everything everything I get. And with my my girls, we don't spend a lot on on them because it's more about the spirit. And it's all about yeah. fam, fam, family and being together. So it's an awesome movie. So I'm definitely going to get the kids to watch it again this this, this year. Oh, and 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 the true test is when you finish watching it and what you feel, you know, is what you're taking away from it. So talking about feelings, um, I want to talk about Made because this is such an emotional roller coaster. You know. Oh my goodness. I thought it was going to be like a bit of a comedy, like a you know someone down down on their look, and you know, but wow, 
but wow, tears, yeah. one episode, there's a couple of times I laughed and then cried again. I mean, if you could yeah. tell us a bit about who you play um, and a bit about the show, because it's just awesome. It's just brilliant. Um, I play a character named Ethan, and he is the best friend to um, Nick Robinson's character, um, Sean. And pretty much Sean and Alex are in this relationship and they have a kid, but then it turns out that Sean has abusive tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, and I play the best friend to Sean and I'm kind of there to reinforce the opinion that Sean is a good guy. And Alex is, Margaret Qualley's character is is in the wrong for accusing this good guy and taking his daughter away from him where in reality like there's <laughs> i still get messages from people on instagram and they would say it's like oh man i hated your character <laughs> it's like <laughs> well, i guess i did a good job there <laughs> but to be um, honest i mean i mean he was so nick robinson's character sean he he <sighs> You know, part of you felt sorry for him because obviously yeah. he seems to be in a vicious cycle. Uh, he's obviously suffering. Um, and then obviously you're his, like one of his best mates. So I can understand why people didn't like your character because you were so, <laughs> so associating with him. Um, yeah. But it's just an, a fantastic written show and just made oh, yeah. amazing. I mean, 1.9 billion minutes watched. Um that's 1.9 billion people that has seen your face, that has seen you act on screen. I suppose from an actor's yeah. point of view, you know, being in a pop popular show must feel absolutely ama amazing. But how crazy mm -hmm. is that? 1.9 billion minutes watched. Um, I I gotta give just credit to to the production and the team behind it. Um, because yeah, you're saying with the writing being so brilliant. I remember reading the first episode and and. I was laughing and crying by the end of it because Alex is just not getting a single break. Mm. And I'm reading this anxious pacing in my place, just like, when is when is stuff going to work for her? And it, mm. <laughs> so it's like knowing that I was moved reading it, like only, only came to, I guess, make sense that it would also move all these audience members that gave it a shot mm -hmm. and they got glued to it and 1.9 billion minutes of viewing time that's that's still that's crazy, insane isn't it? <laughs> i mean i mean to be honest i wasn't going to watch it and then and then it, it didn't seem like my cup of tea and i tend to find that when mm -hmm. i watch some something that i didn't you know think it was my cup of tea i end up getting glued to and I end up watching yep. it, like binge watching it. Um, I mean, what was your fond fondest memory on set? I mean, did you film this during the pan pandemic under all the restrictions? Yeah, this, this was the first production or first major production back filming in Vancouver. Um, so that was that was exciting because on one side of things, not being able to work was as an actor it's it's exhausting because it's like mm. i what what else do i do with my time but then mm. 
on the other side of things, it was rewarding because all these people are at home during the pandemic and it's the arts that saves everybody's mental health to a degree, whether it's they lose themselves in music or they lose themselves in Netflix or Amazon shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that I was going to get to be part of a project that helped people escape this pandemic was also a very exciting feeling. Um, and it was also very new because being in the industry as long as I have, all of a sudden these new restrictions are in place. Mm. And there was that clip that went viral from from Tom Cruise's production where he was yeah. yelling. And, and it's like, that's, that's the reality of it now. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if we want to make art now, we have to still make art responsibly. And mm. so following all the protocols and everything, that was an eye-opener where they have – I don't know what their title is. COVID enforcers, <laughs> COVID protocol enforcers, where it's like it's a new just, position just, on just, set. Just call them all Tom Cruise, and it'd be fun. yeah, or yeah. and and they'll just peek around a corner and catch you and just point at you and just like signal to put your mask up. And they're diligent. And at first, it's like, ah, oh, I get it. Come on, just I'm taking. Just give me a minute. I just pulled it down, and then it's like you learn where it's like, okay, yeah, no, this is this has to be followed in order for you know this to mm-hmm. all happen and happen safely. And and thankfully, there were no um, COVID scares during the production because I heard of some productions where there'd be a COVID scare and mm-hmm. the production would have to shut down for a week. Mm. Which is which is such an inconvenience to all the aspects of the, of filming. Um, so to have been blessed with not having any COVID scares, and there was also a nice comfort in getting tested three times a week <laughs> as well. Because even in my personal life, just knowing that I'm hanging out with people and they don't have to be concerned about if I have it or not, because mm-hmm. I'm getting tested so often. Um, so that was fun. And I'd have to say my fondest memory um, was getting to first meet Andy McDowell. Um, she's in the nineties. She was the sweetheart of the screen and mm-hmm. she still has that charismatic, you know, character um, trait about her where from the trailer from the makeup trailer to on set she's she's warm she's she's inviting mm-hmm. and and it's it's just fun kind of like i i pursued this industry because i i wanted to meet my on-screen idols so being able to meet somebody who, who and oh and that was also a fun moment too was we were filming in february and we had wrapped and we got we uh went back to the hotel and i just wanted to wind down and i turned on the tv and it was groundhog day so i'm watching (laughs) you know somebody that i'm working with and it was it was a little surreal in that moment just knowing that okay i'm going to go back to work tomorrow with that person that i'm watching right now (laughs) and it's just wow it's it's part of the movie magic and part of the reason why i love doing this 
her character as well um you know i watched an interview with her in the uk and she was saying her character is obviously f- far from what she's like in real life i mean her char- character in the in the series is just off the charts it's off the walls literally she is loony as a bat she really 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 is but it's quite nice to hear that that you know you've met one of your idols and they've been nice because i think that's our greatest fear is to meet someone that we've looked up to or we've admired over the years and then they turn out to be not very nice so it's quite nice to find out that she was nice yeah it's it's one of those things where it's the reason why and the understanding that you can be like oh this is why you're still working after so long Mm -hmm. is because of your personality whereas the ones that you know aren't as nice when you meet them and you you realize and you see the pattern where it's like oh maybe that's why you're not you haven't been working that much recently mm. yeah. yeah yeah but no it's good i mean we've we, we've got an actress over in the uk called joanna lumley that she's like part of history now in the uk but she's always mm. said that she she'll never turn down a job um she's super nice to fans to everyone you know which is Lovely. really nice so that's our andy mcdowell sort sort of comparison but let's talk about this charity play on foundation because you know obviously i know you mentioned earlier on about you know you feel that once you get more famous i suppose your platform to actually get this foundation you know moving a bit faster i mean if you could tell us a bit about the foundation and what you know the viewers and list listeners can do to get involved or find out more um well it's all online at the moment um it's been a little difficult especially during covid to get the name out more because like we've we've wanted to throw events for it as well um hopefully we can start doing that soon but www.letsplayon.org um play on foundation was started by me and some friends who went through a passing of one of my friends due to a brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that kind of set this in motion was he was 25 years old and I always associated aneurysms with older people. Mm -hmm. And it's not a problem that the youth have to face or young adults have to face, but the reality of it is that number is only rising um, within the younger adult community as well as within the youth and so the doing my research i learned that aneurysms within the neurological field are the least funded in terms of research mm-hmm. so the goal is to allocate these raised funds specifically towards brain aneurysm research in detection and prevention because Mm -hmm. when you get these things when you get an aneurysm you a need to know how to react and you need to react fast or Mm -hmm. else there would be severe damage um to your body from it um and even in respects to that it wasn't until you know decades ago that they started putting out PSAs for strokes and how to identify those, right? So it's like for these, understanding what 
a ruptured aneurysm is um, and how to react is very important. And on the prevention side of things, it's one of the things that you don't look for unless there's a problem. Mm. So I want to say one in 90 people have an aneurysm and don't know about it. And it's, it's that thing. It's like, you don't know about it. And there's a good chance that you'll never know about it because it won't rupture. You're not doing anything that's going to cause it to rupture. Um, but being able to know that you have an aneurysm is also very important because president Joe Biden, um, had a brain aneurysm. It was detected and he was able to have surgery to get it fixed. And that's a very costly procedure. Mm. Whereas I think checking for aneurysms needs to be, especially um, among the, the younger audience, it has to be as, as frequent as, you know, you're a checkup, you know, just to make sure that everything's fine. Mm. Um, at least once in your teen life to like, it should be something that, could be subsidized by the government to some degree where it's like doctors all doctors say when an aneurysm case happens is it can happen to anybody Mm. and it's such an unsatisfying answer yeah when you want to wonder why something happened so Mm. that's the goal is just to fund as much money and funnel as much money towards aneurysm research so mm. it does become a mainstream condition that is looked after. Mm. And I think the key is 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 definitely awareness, is is isn't it? Is getting the information out there. So on your website, um, is there a, a part where people can register for like a new a newsletter to find out information? Have you got a mailing list, or is that yet to come? Still yet to come. Um, the website there is is specifically for donations at the moment um so just trying to get the word out so people can donate we are a registered charity as well so if people are you know interested in getting their receipts for um tax purposes we also Mm -hmm. are able to provide that as well and hopefully along the line down the line like we'll get that mailing list ready and we'll be able to make a bigger impact Awesome. I will make sure I put the link at the bottom of this video. So if you're watching now, if you look at the uh, the description, it'll have the website there for you to go on. So uh, last few questions before we bid uh, our farewells, because it's been great chat- chatting with you. Um, yeah. So on your IMDb, I always look at the trivia and for some reason, okay. people are people are lacking trivia, and I think mm-hmm. we need to put some more spicier stuff on your trivia. So, uh, okay. when, it, when don't don't wor- wor- worry, it's not too bad. Um, so, the last time that you laughed out loud, ooh, um, last time I laughed out loud, um. I was watching, what was I watching yesterday? A Bicentennial Man yesterday, um, the Robin Williams film. Um, yeah. And when there's there's so many funny moments there because Robin plays such a subdued version that you usually see. 
Mm. And so the jokes were hitting differently as well. Um, at the same time, I think another time that I may have laughed out loud was something goofy that my partner did the other day. Can't quite remember it right now, but uh, she, she's, she's a funny one that, yeah <laughs> you know you know you know what we need to laugh a lot more more in life because apparently laughing is a great healer it does one wonders yeah. for our mental state and and our bodies and that's um, a good that was a good segue from robin williams because patch adams if you remember that movie that's that's what that yeah. one was about too <laughs> yeah it's awesome patch adams absolutely it's heartbreaking though it really is heartbreaking as well at the same time um what is your greatest fear Ooh, greatest fear. Greatest fear, I guess, would be to not leave my mark. And my mark currently being that charity. So hmm. if for some reason some tragedy takes me out, I would, I'll, I'll, I'll be sad in the afterlife knowing that I wasn't able to finish what i set out to do and that's exactly the same fear that i've got you know as in the words of christopher reeve who's been my idol since i can ever remember he, he used used to say leave the world a better place than you than you came into it and uh, take um um, give more than you take which is another thing that he said which i think is fantastic but for me with kids i'm like a memory maker my job is to make these wonderful memories for my girls and to obviously leave a legacy. And it's my That's fear as, as well that, you know, I want to leave that legacy, put a positive legacy uh, like yeah. my dad has done for me. But uh, but then uh, what's your most memorable fan encounter? I mean, have you had lot, 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 lots of fan encounters? Any unusual ones? Any creepy ones or... Oh, really good ones. <laughs> For myself, I feel like they've kind of been normal. And I'd have to say, in terms of fan encounters that I've experienced, my favorite one wasn't for me. Um, I was on a show called Take Two, and I was working with Rachel Bilson from the OC. Mm -hmm. And we had some time to go out, the cast. So we went out um downtown vancouver and we're walking on the sidewalk and a group was walking towards us and past us and they were like they were you they were separated where the girls were in front and the guys were behind so the girls passed nonchalantly whatever in their own mind and then the guys passed and there was this guy who was like um i'd say he was he was like he's your typical athletic jock and the guys pass and then it was one of the guys was like hey wait a minute isn't that summer <laughs> and we just kept walking <laughs> and so it's like to think that this guy that i wouldn't have assumed was an oc fan clocked rachel bilson <laughs> unsure and tried to acknowledge it i think that was actually like my a fun moment in that <laughs> fan encounter world I mean, obviously, as you're getting more well-known, I'm sure that you're going to get lots of uh, fan attention on so social media as well as other platforms. Uh, I, I mean, have, have, are you getting ready for that? Um, have you got an approach in mind? Um, um, 
Yeah, um, I hope to get to a level of notoriety where it's the... I know you from somewhere, but I can't quite place it. <laughs> that's, that's where I want to get to. Yeah. And um, and then if it just so happens that I want to follow through with it and say where I'm from and then to get that acknowledgement, sure. But that's that's the degree that I want to get to. Where it's like, you're – where are you from again? That's, <laughs> that's when I think I've, I've succeeded which, in this industry. Which I'm sure – you 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 can have very soon because i can't believe that you don't get that now to be honest um but no you know what xavier it's been an absolute joy chatting with 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 you i'm looking at the time thinking wow i could chat to you for hours i really could i've really enjoyed enjoyed myself um uh what are you working on next Are, 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 are you just putting your feet up and relaxing now after made and 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 working on other things um i have a movie coming out next year it's called easter sunday um look out for that it's starring filipino comedian jokoi um check out his netflix specials to see how funny he is and just know that he's going to be starring in a movie next year and i get to be a part of that it's a all filipino ensemble and yeah it's it was produced by steven spielberg's production company emblem productions and it's gonna be a fun one and other than that i'm just trying to get this truck working so i can get back on the road bless you lots of love and and yeah for 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 that truck and before you know it you'll be on your adventures i'm so jealous that is one thing that i've always wanted to do is go across saying that though i've always wanted to go to canada because when i was a kid there was a show called jew south that was on and it had a yeah. canadian mount mount mountain and a deaf <laughs> a hus, husky called Devon baker and i could just remember i know it's based based in the states but it always got got me intrigued if if all the police in canada dress like that because I was yeah. just in like oh, but Canada looks amazing. Um, I definitely want to visit. And where you filmed Made looks looks beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Oh, so it's def- def- definitely on my yeah. travel list. Yeah, but well, Xavier, look, 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 yeah, definitely, def- definitely. Once the kids get a bit older, and then we can leave leave them with my in laws, <laughs> and then we can come out. <laughs> but Xavier, you you look after yourself, keep safe, and I look forward to seeing everything that you do do in the future. And thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Be More Super the podcast. It was kind of a crazy fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. My world.